welcome to another episode of Biz Talks. I am your host Hiba Malik. I hope you all are having a great weekend. Um, unfortunately, yes, it's coming to an end, but it's all right. Tomorrow is going to be a new day, new hustle. Today, I have on my podcast Sonal Kripeja. Sonal runs her own interior design company called Roma Interiors. Check out the link in the description below and let's quickly get her on the call. Hello. Hi, Hiba. Hi, Sonal. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. How's work going? Yeah, good. It's going very busy, surprisingly so. The last month or so has actually been um, yeah, unexpectedly very busy. Really? I've been, oh, it's, it's funny how I've been hearing this a lot from everyone I'm speaking to, that work's been really busy for them. Um, and I don't know who are these people who are saying that the market is down. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just funny. <laughs> What's yeah, going on? a lot of people are not traveling at the moment so uh what they would have otherwise uh spent probably on on like a family holiday i think all of that money is being invested into their houses because everyone's spending a lot of time indoors yeah so yeah it, it seems to be the case and and the great thing is um most of the people i'm meeting right now have started off their own businesses um ever since the entire lockdown thing happened and this this i think this whole pandemic thing has worked in a very positive way that people have now started building their own brands people have started working towards uh for themselves um this is i think it it is one of the positive aspects of covid um yeah definitely i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have uh had that desire but then they've been in a job and then the decision was kind of taken away from them so it's like a now or never situation so exactly. yeah i think it's the thing is I, i was going through this one um quote from um the book black swan it's by nasim talib and he says yeah. that the worst addiction is is not after after heroin and cocaine is um a monthly salary <laughs> a lot of people have lost their jobs yeah and it's so hard to get another job right now because market is down people have started yeah. taking this initiative of working for themselves and yeah. coming out of that addiction yeah 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 Um, yeah, I agree. Okay. So Sonal, you've been going through uh, my podcast. The idea is that I'm speaking to all the business owners in UAE yeah. who started their own journey just to find out how the process was like them for them in UAE. How easy was it to set up a company in in UAE and start a, a sort of start their entire um, journey out here? So first, first of all, could you brief me about yourself? Yeah, so sure. Um, so I am an interior designer by profession. Um, I was actually born and brought up in the UK and from a very, very young age, probably as long as I can remember, I've had a bit of an obsession for houses. Um, having grown up like many second generation Asians in the UK, like I grew up with my 
extended family in, in a small house above a newsagent shop. And I, I really credit that experience um, for forming my obsession that I have now with space. And uh, eventually that same deep-rooted desire is what, what manifested itself into a career. Um, and now I basically design other people's homes for a living and I love it. So this was the entire inspiration behind the profession you chose. Yeah, definitely. Why did you move to uh, to Dubai? So I think, uh, funnily enough, I think Dubai chose me rather than me choosing huh? Dubai because I came here. I came here over just over ten years ago, um, and I'd applied for a role which I had presumed was based in London because they didn't explicitly mention that the role was in Dubai, even though it said that there were Dubai. Uh, projects that I would be working on alongside projects in the UK. Um, and as you know, the world was going through a bit of a recession at that time yeah. too. So there, there were not that many jobs in London. I had been applying for things while I was there and uh, not having that much luck. So I I had uh, had the offer to move to Dubai. And so I really just thought, why not, you know, go there, get a couple of of international experience and then I would move back but uh, lo and behold I found myself really enjoying myself over here and I really started to feel at home so I started to like sow my own roots in the way of a home and a business uh, and I started my business here uh, around three years ago now. Okay so so you you sort of did you already know that you were going to um, set up something on your own or it just happened? Uh, to be honest, I think, I think setting up on my own has been like in my blood from a very young age. Um, I always kind of knew that that is something I would like to do slash I would eventually do, but, um, that's not to say that it's something I think you can jump straight into. I think yeah. that the experience I had before starting on my own has it really paved the way for me um, doing it for myself because you know when when you're working for um, another organization I think that's how you really are able to hone your technical and creative skills because once you're doing once you're running a business as you know like every day you have to wear lots of different hats you you have to think about you know your marketing uh, business development uh, administrative tasks like invoicing uh, it all comes part and parcel so I think the only way you can really do this for yourself is when you've when you've got a certain level of experience um, technically uh, to be able to then you know juggle all of the things that a business requires you to to do on a daily basis of course so when so when you're working in a company uh, most of the time what happens is you you get clients served on a plate uh, you just need mm -hmm. to service them when you're starting your own business you have to wear the sales hat you have to go out and um, sell your services how easy was was it for you to go out and get clients on your own and also create the operations and be the finance guy in your business as well yeah, um, honestly, I think I've been fortunate in that um, I, I've had a steady flow of projects and work coming in since I started on my uh, on my own. Like even when Dubai went into 
a lockdown for that one month or one month plus, um, we kind of pivoted into doing an e-design service, mm-hmm. um, which which really picked up quite quickly. Um, but I think in terms of getting clients from the beginning, it's really about um, th- that's come as a product of being here for ten years and building up, uh, you know, essentially like a reputation network. for your work. Yeah, and through through your network of industry colleagues and suppliers. So if somebody you know, is naturally looking for a designer, they might approach a supplier and say, hey, do you know somebody who does this kind of work? And then the supplier will give the referral. So it very organically um, kind of spread into the, the projects that I've had. And being a small company, a small organization, we only take on a handful of projects at any one given time anyway, um, yeah. because we specialize in houses. So like houses require a lot of uh, personal time and energy and I think equally uh, they require a lot of EQ and and you you have to understand what your clients want from you so yeah it, it can be quite demanding on your time and on your energy so so we can't take on too many things in one go because then we can't give the project the time it requires absolutely did you did you have um, any mentor or anyone to guide you through along this this path uh, yeah, I, I was very, very fortunate that uh, a, a close friend of mine, he kind of guided me through, through, actually, you know, there, there are times before you start on your own, like you, you, you get nervous or you think, okay, am I ready for this? Yeah. And sometimes there are people out there who almost they believe in you more than you at that moment might even believe in yourself. So um, yeah, a dear friend of mine was, was really helpful in that sense to, um, helped me lock in the first couple of projects and um, that that from then just gave me a huge amount of confidence and I, I enjoyed it so much that it just solidified what was already I think brewing in my mind that I want to do this and then the more and more I did the more and more I loved it so yeah yeah after one or two clients on your own you become confident enough to go out there and pitch your services yourself and re- create your own network um, who can then refer you clients as well. Yeah. So, so was there anyone to help you navigate the process of um, legalizing this whole um, business? Uh, my friend, Mr. Google probably is. <laughs> is we, we kind of uh, just, I just was researching online about yeah. the various uh, trade license packages um, you know would are we going to go through uh, an agency or do we go to the um, the free zone authority themselves so it was a learning curve honestly I, I didn't I was just learning as I went along um, and and how to how to set up my business yeah and what would be the most cost effective uh, way of doing it and the way I work um, I can very much work remotely or or from the sites that I'm working on so I don't necessarily need like a formal office space um so I was I was specifically looking for a trade license where I didn't have to um pay for rent also because that would have just been uh, money down the drain so I was fortunate enough to be able to find that over here that's great and how do you position yourself in the market zone like what's your take on digital marketing um are you 
Um, are you into it? Are you doing your marketing? Or for now, you're just by word of mouth? Um, so I guess I would say uh, I'm, I'm a, a part of a, my practice is a very boutique practice. Um, for the first two years, I was just taking on the support of freelancers on a project by project basis um, so uh, and then for the last one year I've had one senior designer working with me like on a full-time basis and she's been like really invaluable to our growth um, so in terms of how do we uh, market ourselves uh, it is essentially like that like a boutique practice which I think is what people want from a designer particularly a designer of their homes you know they may not necessarily want to go to like a a bigger organization because they want that one one-to-one -one, um consultation and time uh with you to to uh kind of bring the house to life um and we still we still we still do take on the support of freelancers if we need to um i think that's what's really helped us to be able to keep our fees like fair and competitive um because you know we, we like to try and keep the, the overheads low so we just yeah. we take on the support as and when we need it and I, I don't take on too much um all at the same time so you're dealing with private clients and corporations both or just focusing mainly on private clients for now mostly i would say it's private clients uh, i do have a couple of clients who are developers or hotel owners um but generally speaking the majority of my work is with the end users of the properties that i'm working on and we we have done we have worked on a couple of different um projects as well so it's not just residential uh, we we're working on a hair salon at the moment and and a cafe um, so if, if the project is exciting enough, then we will, we definitely like to kind of, uh, step out of our normal comfort zones and get involved in something different. But yeah, generally speaking, it, it is all private. So, and, and what do you think about, um, homeowners or corporations hiring independent de designers rather than going for interior design companies? Are they, is the trend changing or what's, What's their take on this thing? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that um, people do like to work with the smaller scale, like independent designers, because like I said earlier, you then can get quite heavily involved in the project. So particularly if you're working on the design of someone's home space, it's like a very close and sentimental thing. So, and, and I do personally find myself getting quite attached to each space and project that I work on, like I feel like I'm working on on my own on my own environment, living environment. So um, that does require a lot of a lot of energy. So um, I think being in part of a small organization or independent allows you to be able to offer that to your clients. Um, I've never personally worked for a large scale design corporation though, so I can't really speak on their behalf. But naturally you know, being part of something smaller, you, you are able to offer that, that, uh, personalized service yeah. um, to each person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there, there are good and bad clients in every field you work in. 
have you ever, ever faced any issues with your clients um and how do you sort of deal with such issues if you if you get a client that is just being very picky about things and asking more than what they have paid for yeah yeah definitely i mean i think the best way to try and mediate uh, a difficult client um is just kind of having clear terms and conditions very early on so you know essentially setting your boundaries in in the scope of works agreement so like in our agreements we always explicitly state that you know in a design scheme we will select up to x number of products or you know revise a scheme x number of times after we've got approval uh, otherwise there's no end to the service so i think you're you're doing a favor to your clients if you're very clear early on uh, in what those terms are because you know naturally um, that you, you you may end up finding that they'll ask for a little bit more here and a little bit more there and you know unfortunately that kind of situation it can lead to resentment which you never want with with anyone like professionally or personally so i think um, it's very very important to have like clear terms and conditions very early on and and not not kind of bore them with terms and conditions i keep mine very light but quite clear i would say so they know what they're signing up for and you know if they do ask for a bit more than that it's never an easy conversation but sometimes you have to just uh reset the boundaries and explain that okay we will do it but this is as you know going off. to be yeah exactly as a one off and then if it goes more than that then you know come to an amicable agreement as to the additional cost to do the additional work and then and i think it's it's all good that's yeah you're absolutely right um um so no last question and that's my signature question i ask this from everyone so for someone yeah. starting up in an industry similar to yours what suggestions do you have for them um so i would say to someone who's starting off in the interior design industry um first of all i think it's really important to uh to be educated so you know um do do the necessary courses be it through you know degree diploma i do think that you learn a lot um by by basically focusing the doing the academic side of the work first and then um getting experience you know i when i was very early on in my career like i wouldn't say say no to any sort of experience like my automatic answer would be yes like even if it was something not completely relevant but somehow you know you can see how there's a connection like just keep keep getting experience um and then yeah once you get into it like that doesn't mean you stop learning so continue learning and there's so many resources out there nowadays um that there's no excuse you know so i actually started to learn a, a new software just a few months ago and it's all been through online tutorials so i'm i'm kind of teaching myself um a software program for rendering because um it just makes you better it makes your service offering uh more appealing so you know while it can be challenging it is also a lot of fun of course there's there's no end to learning anyways yeah yeah um mm -hmm. okay we've come to the end of the podcast thank you so much for your time do you have any mm -hmm. questions for me sono 
Yeah, actually, Hiba, I did want to ask you, um, I just wanted to get your guidance on like the process behind transferring my existing uh, trade license um, to, a, to a mainland license if we choose to do so. Mm -hmm. Sure. So do you, do you want to just transfer the entire structure to mainland right now? Yeah, it's something we are thinking about. Okay, I would give you a guideline. So to set up a mainland company, such as in a business like yours, you re would require a professional license. Okay, so you can 100% own your license on the mainland. Okay. okay, the only requirement that remains is to get a local service agent that can be an individual or a company, uh, but has to be national, UAE national. Okay, um, yeah. now you can have up to 10 activities on the license. The process would be first, you need to set up your company on the mainland. Okay, okay. once you, your structure is set up, you then have to apply for a bank account. Once your bank account is in place, that's when you go on dissolving your existing structure in the free zone. Okay. okay. The process to dissolve would be you cancel all the visas under the company, you cancel the bank account, and then you apply for liquidation. Once that is done, um, you then transfer everything to your existing structure. Now, there's a process for transferring the business as well. You first sign an agreement, you uh, a business transfer agreement. So this will be signed between your free zone company and your mainland company. Okay. Um, you sign a business transfer agreement and then you get an addendum drafted. So for all the existing clients that you have, you send them an email notification informing them that you're going through a corporate restructuring and you've just changed your license. So you would yeah. like to notify them as well as attach an addendum to their existing services agreement, outlining uh -huh. the new trade license name and yeah. the new bank account details. So for any okay. future billings, it's, it's going to go under your new ba bank account. And from there on note payments or anything have to be made on the old, um, old bank accounts or the old invoices won't be used anymore. So in a okay. nutshell, this is the, I've just simplified it for you right now. Um, we can speak about it under a separate cover, but this is the entire process you follow when you're transferring your business. Okay. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Thank you. Anything else I can help you with or we conclude? Oh, we can conclude. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for your time. Um, let's touch base soon. Definitely. Thank uh -huh. you, Heba. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.